Welcome to the first season of Murder and 20 podcast, where I, Bobby Stevens, am your host with a new episode every Wednesday. If you're a serious fan of true crime and love listening to podcasts, but don't want all that small talk, you've come to the right place. We get right to the facts. Murder and 20 episodes are concise and complete in 20 minutes. Less talk and more true crime. Be sure to like, share, and follow us to learn about upcoming episodes every Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. In sunny California, Joseph was a quiet man who played soccer, surfed, and hung out with his friends. He'd been married before and had a teenage son who lived nearby and the two were close. Summer was more reserved and some would say eccentric. She was born with the name Lisa, but didn't like it, so she changed it numerous times before she finally settled on Summer. She was a stay-at-home mom and loved to shop. The couple lived in a small duplex in San Clemente, south of Los Angeles. Joseph was dedicated to his business designing and manufacturing interior water features. Although the recession hit many hard in 2009, his business continued to grow. He'd moved his office to their house and subcontracted some of the manufacturing of waterfalls to Charles Merritt, who went by the name Chase. What Joseph didn't know is that Chase had a lengthy criminal past going back to 1977 for burglary and petty theft, criminal trespass, and three convictions for receiving stolen property. In 2001, he admitted to stealing $32,000 worth of welding and drilling equipment from an ironworks company and pled no contest to second-degree burglary and grand theft. For this, he was sentenced to six months in jail and three years probation. But he failed to attend court when required and didn't pay his fines, so his probation dragged on for years. In fact, he was still on probation when he began manufacturing for Joseph's company. What he also didn't know is that Chase was a gambling addict and heavily in debt. At some point, Joseph had loaned Chase $30,000 to cover a gambling debt. Joseph had told another business associate that he was planning to fire Chase. The couple had two boys, Gianni in 2005 and Joby Jr. in 2007. In 2009, they bought a home in Fairbrook, a small town north of San Diego. Their home sat on a cul-de-sac below a hillside of lush avocado trees. They moved in over Thanksgiving weekend and were looking forward to their five-bedroom home with room for their family to grow into. The couple had plans to renovate with new carpets and granite countertops and had started painting the interior. In early January, the boys were talking to their grandfather Patrick over Skype when Gianni picked up the laptop and proudly gave him a virtual tour of their new home. Near the end of January 2010, someone used a McStay family computer to do an internet search for passport requirements for travel to Mexico and Summer contacted a seller on Craigslist to purchase Rosetta Stone software for learning Spanish and arranged to have it delivered to Joseph at a soccer game. On January 31st, the family celebrated their youngest boy's birthday. Joey Jr. had just turned three. The afternoon on Thursday, February 4th, 
Joseph and Chase met at a local restaurant to discuss business. They just landed a big contract. Then, at 2.11 p.m., Summer used her cell phone to call a homeopathic medicine company. No one knows for sure what happened next, but what is known is that someone pulled out a carton of eggs and put them on the kitchen counter, and laying nearby was a banana and two bowls of popcorn were on the sofa in the living room. And at some point, Chase arrived at the house. Joseph, Summer, and their two young boys were murdered in that house. Their bodies and limbs were beaten, and their skulls crushed with a three-pound sledgehammer. A white extension cord was wrapped around Joseph's neck, and his body wrapped in a blanket. Chase loaded their four bodies into their SUV, a white 1996 Isuzu Trooper. At 7.47 p.m., a neighbor surveillance camera captured what appeared to be the next day's white SUV passing by. Chase drove their SUV a hundred miles to the desert near Victoriaville. There, he dug two graves and buried the lives of a cherished family of four. The day after the murders, Chase used Joseph's online accounting program to write himself a check from his business account. Over the next four days, he continued to write himself multiple checks. He backdated them and deposited them into a new bank account that he'd opened just prior to the murders. Four days later, using his cell phone, Chase called the online accounting program and pretending to be Joseph, he transferred the account then canceled the subscription. That same day, Chase parked the mixed days SUV at a strip mall in San Isidro, 70 miles from their home and just steps from the border into Tijuana, Mexico. Two days later, the mall security had it towed as an abandoned vehicle, as often people going over the border would illegally park in the lot. At this point, no one knew the mixed day family was missing. On February 14th, Chase contacted Joseph's father, Patrick, to say he was concerned he hadn't been able to reach him, which was unusual as they usually talked multiple times a day. Joseph's brother, Mike, went with Chase to the McStay's house to check on the family. Outside, the two dogs were alone in the backyard. Inside, no one was home. On the kitchen counter, they found a spoiled carton of raw eggs and a rotting banana. In the living room were two bowls of popcorn. It looked as if the family had just stepped out for a minute and were expecting to come right back. Mike contacted the police the next day. On their visit to the house, they didn't see any signs of forced entry. Inside, they found a tall lamp lying on a bedroom floor, and inside the walk-in closet were open suitcases with clothes neatly folded. They spoke with the neighbors who said the dogs had been left outside in the cold for the week and a half and that they'd been feeding the dogs for the family. The mixed days weren't officially missing yet, so Detective Troy Dugal, a homicide investigator with the San Diego Sheriff's Department, needed court approval to get a search warrant for the house and phone records. In it, he said he believed that some or all of the family members had been kidnapped or killed. Until the search warrant was issued, he instructed the family members not to disturb anything in the house. Joseph's mom, Susan, was at their house when she phoned the detective. 
but unfortunately she had already started cleaning it. During their investigation, investigators did not find any financial or marital issues, any business problems or enemies, nor any links to drugs or crime. A check of their credit cards and cell phones discovered they hadn't been used since they disappeared. On February 17th, almost two weeks after their disappearance, police interviewed Chase and noticed that he spoke of both Joseph and Summer in the past tense, saying that Joseph was one of his best friends and that Summer was a verbal person. They asked him about the family's SUV and he claimed he'd never driven it. They asked him to take a polygraph test, which he later claimed that other than a few discrepancies, he had passed. Police had now recovered the next day's SUV and it was sent to the crime lab for processing. It had been found locked and there were no signs of a struggle, and in the back were presents from Joey Jr.'s birthday. The Fresno Bee reported that Lieutenant Dennis Budagos with the San Diego County Sheriff's Department said it's all a mystery. Is a vehicle down by the border a ploy? Were they voluntarily missing? Were they taken against their will? The McStay family set up a website saying, let's bring them home safe, and posted updates and encouraged readers to share tips. They used the power of social media to spread the word and distributed flyers with the family's photos in the area where the vehicle had been found. The National Center of Missing and Exploited Children's website featured the McStay family. Investigators had located video taken at the border pedestrian crossing from the U.S. into Mexico that showed two adults with two young children walking, but the video was grainy and they couldn't determine if it was the McStay family. The family reviewed the video, and although the woman could have been Summer, the man's body didn't resemble Joseph. Summer's mom, Miranda, said they'd found her daughter's expired passport at the house, and Joey Jr.'s passport was with his grandmother. Although family and friends insisted there was no way the mixed days would travel to Mexico with their children out of concern for their safety amid the drug wars, investigators found that internet search on their computer for passport requirements for Mexico, and they also found the emails where Summer had purchased a Spanish software. Joseph's mother, Susan, placed ads in local newspapers in both English and Spanish, and she also traveled to remote villages in Mexico and handed out flyers. The McStay family received two emails to their website with sightings of the family in Mexico. The Santa Maria Times reported that Joseph and one of his sons were seen in the store on the Gulf side of Mexico. The other report said the family was seen on the Pacific side of Mexico. Both tips were passed on to the San Diego County Sheriff's Department, and in early April, the FBI was brought in to help in the case. Meanwhile, Chase had made large withdrawals at local casinos and gambled away the money he'd stolen. And ironically, in September, after 10 years, he finally completed his probation. In February 2011, it had been a year since the next day family disappeared on a winter evening, and Detective Troja Gall told the Vasily Dimes Delta that he believed the family went to Mexico. But what troubled him was that he couldn't account for the four days between the family left their home to when they were spotted on the surveillance video at the border. 
And he asked, were they staying with friends? Were they in a hotel? I think it's likely something bad has happened. The family left the home alone. I believe something occurred within those four walls, between the four family members that made them leave in a hurry. It may have been good. It may have been bad. I don't know. He said the FBI assured him that the McStays were not living under witness protection. For four years, relatives and friends of the McStay family wondered what happened to them. Joseph's mother, Susan Blake, had held on to the hope that one day they would return. For a year after the family disappeared, she emailed her son asking, Where are you? What are you doing? Call me. I'll help you. She never did receive a reply. Monday, November 11, 2013 was Veterans Day, a holiday in the U.S., and John Baluth was out dirt biking in the Mojave Desert, about an hour north of the next day's home. While looking for a trail, something white on the ground caught his eye. He stopped to take a look and noticed it was a piece of bone, part of a small skull. He thought it might be from a baby or young child, so at 10 a.m. he called 911. Within sight of Interstate 15, the San Bernardino County Sheriff's deputies arrived at a patch of desert strewn with tumbleweeds. There, they excavated and discovered two shallow graves 20 feet apart. Animals had scattered a few of the bones, but left the remains mostly intact. They appeared to have been there for some time. In the first grave, they found a blanket filled with bones of an adult, and next to it, the remains of a child. The second grave contained an adult with no shirt, just a bra splattered with paint. And next to it, the remains of a child and a rusty three-pound sledgehammer. There were no shoes in the grave, but pieces of blue painter's tape were found, the same kind on the walls in the mixed day's kitchen. The Los Angeles Times reported that friends of Joseph's father, Patrick, had started sending him links to the news stories about the bodies found in the desert. And he said he had a hunch early on. I got a cold chill, and I knew it was them. Dental records were used to identify Joseph and Summer. DNA records confirmed it was Gianni and Joey Jr. All four died from blunt force trauma. The partial skull the dirt biker had found belonged to Joey Jr., who had been buried with his father. Joseph's skull had been shattered. Summer had been struck so hard by a single blow that her jaw was broken in two places. Little Gianni was buried with her and had been struck seven times in the head. A week after the discovery of the graves, Chase did an interview with the Daily Mail, a British tabloid. He told them that he had spent an hour with Joseph the day he disappeared, and that he was his best friend, and that he was the last person Joseph had phoned that day, and that they had just landed a lucrative foreign contract and sales were flourishing. But after Joseph disappeared, he lost his business and went bankrupt. On Saturday, January 4th, 2014, Joseph's serving friends gathered around his brother Mike for a memorial paddle out into the ocean near Orange County, where the family had spent time. 
On the pier above, mourners watch the members in their wetsuits, four with white lace draped around their necks, one for Joseph, Summer, Gianni, and Joey Jr. They paddled out into the water, held hands, and formed a circle in their remembrance. Two hundred people attended a memorial service at the Vineyard Community Church. The San Diego Union-Tribune reported that Joseph's brother Michael said, The service honored the family's memory. My spirits are lifted. I feel encouraged remembering all the goodness in their lives. It allows me to turn a page. His mother Susan said, There was so much love in there today, and added, I need justice. I waited almost four years and never gave up. After the funeral, Mike posted one last update on the Mistay family website. He said, One of the hardest things I've ever had to do was to watch my mom see her son, daughter-in-law, and grandson's ashes be lowered into the small, shallow plot. Since their disappearance, investigators had collected 4,500 pages of material, conducted over 200 interviews, and issued 60 search warrants. In early fall, they re-interviewed Chase. Their questioning took a long eight hours, and during that time, Chase did not confess. It took a full year before an arrest was made in the case. In November 2014, Chase was arrested for the murders of Joseph Summer and their boys. He pled not guilty. Joseph's mother, Susan, said that she knew her son had given money to Chase and she suspected for a long time that he was their killer. Chase's trial was delayed many times for various reasons. Originally, his lawyer tried to have the case dismissed, and when that didn't work, he tried to represent himself. Then, he hired legal counsel, only to fire five different lawyers. After four years of delays, his trial finally began in January 2019. The prosecution's theory was that the McStay family were killed for greed. Chase owed Joseph almost $43,000 and was about to be fired. They stated that he'd killed the family in their house and that the children had been killed because they could identify him. The defense responded that because there was no blood found in the home, they were killed at the gravesite by someone else. Chase's DNA was not found on any evidence in the graves, but his DNA was found on the steering wheel and gear shift of the McStage SUV. Police had recorded their interview with Chase two weeks after the family's disappearance and it was played for the jury. They heard him speak of the couple in the past tense, they also revealed that he'd searched the internet on how to change his identity. And video of one of the McStay's neighbor security cameras captured a truck consistent with Chase's. Detectives testified to the extent of the family's injuries and believed that they had been repeatedly beaten and tortured before they died. The dirt biker who found part of three-year-old Joey's junior skull also testified. Detailed gruesome photographs were played for the jurors while Chase sat beside his lawyers at the defense table and stared straight ahead. A few days later, jurors visited the grave sites. Evidence from Chase's cell phone records was presented. Records showed that in the two days after the family disappeared, 
His phone pinged to a cell tower near the grave site five times, and that his phone had been turned off for hours at a time. One stretch had lasted six hours. The district attorney asked the jurors, what could the defendant do in six hours? Clean up a crime scene? Hide evidence? Move evidence? At the beginning of June, the jurors began deliberations, and on Friday, June 7th, they reached their verdict. It was sealed over the weekend and read in court the following Monday. Chase was found guilty on all murder counts. The prosecution sought the death penalty. Joseph's mother told the court how she would visit their graves and talk to them. The district attorney played a home video of the family. Joseph's voice and the boys laughing could be heard while he recorded Summer pushing the boys on the swings. When it ended, she told the jurors, those are the voices that you did not get to hear from. Seven months later, in January 2020, Chase was sentenced to life in prison for Joseph's death and the death penalty for murdering Summer, Gianni, and Joey Jr. He awaits death at the San Quentin State Prison in California. Thanks for listening to Murder in 20 with less talk and more true crime. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday for the episode of Alan Legere. When convicted of murder, he vowed to terrorize the Miramichi. Two years later, he used a makeshift key to slip out of his handcuffs. On the run for seven months, he killed four more times. An off-duty officer and a spare set of keys finally ended his reign of terror. If you're dying to hear more, past episodes of Murder in 20 are available for free at murderin20.com and on all major podcast platforms. We love what we do and are dying to continue. If you enjoy listening to Murder in 20 every week, we'd be eternally grateful for your support by visiting Murder in 20 at Patreon, PayPal, or murderin20.com. We'd like to acknowledge Purple Planet for use of their music, sound effects from Vaseline Studios and Quick Sounds, and our many editorial sources who are listed on our website. Be sure to like, share, and follow us to learn about upcoming episodes every Wednesday. Stay safe, sleep with the lights on, and don't play with strangers. <laughs>